0: You're going for yeah. training
1: next week? Yeah, tomorrow.
0: Oh, nice. Where's that? Box Hill. Oh, Box Hill. <laughs> Home of Rikers Cafe. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that. It's right next to it. Right next to it. You can, Have yeah. you ever been to Would Rikers?
1: You... Um, no, I haven't have actually.
0: Oh, it's a local biker's haunt in Surrey. Yeah. It's nice actually. It's a nice little, nice little cafe. It's at the bottom of Box Hill. You can go to the top of Box Hill. But most of the time I stay at the bottom because that's where all the bikes are at.
1: Yeah, when are we cool. going to start the podcast? Hello and welcome to Wheelie Good Times.
0: Wheelie Good Times.
1: Sorry, you did the intro and they get it.
0: Yeah, taking my shine. Anyway, you could have carried on, but you, you forgot. Yeah, I didn't know it. what to say. I didn't know what to say. Well, you just have to introduce yourself. So let me show you how it's done. Hello and welcome to the Wheelie Good Times podcast. I am your host Tom, and I'm Kong. And today this is episode five of Wheelie Good Times. Wheelie
1: good times.
0: So uh today's <laughs> week of <laughs> so this is episode five and we're having some, some good fun. We have had uh another round of the Moto GP. <laughs> which is very, very exciting. Uh same track, somewhat different results, but Are still you sure? still utterly fantabulous.
1: This one was, was Doha Moto GP. Last one was Qatar.
0: Guitar and Doha.
1: It's weird how they change those names, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Well they're not allowed. I don't know, it's like a rule that there can only be a GP with like one name. Like I can't have you can't have the same GP twice, so it has to have a different name.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the rule. Well stay tuned in the podcast and we'll talk about uh, the Moto GP a little bit later. Now we have some news. Let's get stuck right say, into it. Yeah, okay. You want to tell us what's on
0: the news today? So first up in the news, well, I mean, it was very exciting for me. It's a, it's a little teaser, so it's not really a new bike or anything. I mean, it might be. I don't know because it's we're just being teased. It's those wizards at Suzuki. It's those wonderful people over at Suzuki. They are teasing us with a new GSX S. 1000 so there's nothing more than i don't know the the clip's about 30 seconds you you see sweet f all and it's basically like a silhouette of a bike with like a light running over it so you can kind of get a glimpse of all the bits but you don't really get to see much i mean what we do see is like a stacked headlight and some little baby wings
1: yeah, when it. I when I had a look at the news article, it said it was it was very hot on the wings actually, very hot on mm. the wings. It said it said the the previous model came out in two thousand and fifteen, I think. Yep. So, have you ever have you ever ridden one of those? You ever seen one of those in person? The old model.
0: Oh, GSX uh, GSX. Oh, flipper neck GSX one thousand. Yeah, I've seen quite a few of them. They're quite popular around our way. I would say so. Anyway. Yeah, and,
1: I, I think I've seen a couple.
0: Yeah, they are. Don't know. Not too sure. I, I think it's kind of one of those Suzuki things where it's they're probably quite good. I don't know. They just they made about 150 horsepower, which I think is quite good. I think that's an exciting number of horsepowers. Not but when you sharp. looked at other naked bikes, like everything just had like more of everything, just more betterer.
1: It's it's just not really a standout. No, like it, it doesn't—it it doesn't look so flashy, which is why I thought adding the wings made it look a bit cool. To be honest, mm. you know yeah. the uh, what are the naked Yamaha bikes, the MTs,
0: MT Ranger bikes, yeah,
1: yeah. Those—I mean, I don't really like naked bikes, but those look pretty jazzy.
0: Yeah, they look they... a bit
1: stand out. They, they look quite cool.
0: I think the, the problem was that, like every Japanese bike manufacturer had an issue around the uh, financial crisis in two thousand and eight, and Yamaha really kind of pulled their finger out and when it's like well we could stand still and just try and shift some units but they kind of just went oh let's just write this wipe the slate clean and make some cool shit just make some really cool bikes yeah and um you know we've got the whole range of mt bikes which are like some of the most popular motorcycles out there i mean the mt07 has outsold i think it's outsold every other mt bike like it, it's phenomenal. Like the MT07 has done f- amazingly. That's a good fun bike. I really like riding that. I like riding because it, it reminds me of an FC, an SV650 actually.
1: And, and an MT10. Oh my SV. God, I love
0: the MT10. I've seen a I lot ride. of MT7s. MT7s. Yeah, they're like yeah, I've, I've seen a cheap lot of them. budget works. Well, like I've always said, like it's the sum of the parts. It's not the individual parts. It's the sum of the parts. Yeah. And it made a really good fun bike. The MT09, again, another really fun bike. Enjoyed that one, and same with the the MT10. Will just oh, mind blowing! So 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 quick.
1: We don't know really anything about this GSX. Yes, thousand. <laughs> so what would what what would you like to see in in a bike like that?
0: Mm, I don't, do you know what I I want to see? I kind of want to see Suzuki go a bit weird, go a bit strange. You know, they made that Katana. Which was quite cool stylistically, yeah. I quite like that, and that's I think this kind of like the way it looks at the front reminds me like maybe it's going to have that kind of style to it, but then that'd be weird having two bikes with the same sort of styling. Um, I think so. Uh, let's have a look. Don't know, I'd, Suzuki haven't really innovated anything, like, there's a new Hayabusa, it's fast AF. And everyone's saying it's an amazing bike. It's brilliant. It's great. The high boost is back. like the old types. Amazing. But actually, nothing's really changed.
1: Yeah. I actually saw a Hayabusa yesterday.
0: That was like KFC. Nice. A Gen 3 or? Uh, 1, I think. Gen 1, oh, I, nice. Yeah, Classic. Oh, yeah. No you sent me a picture. I said, is that the one you sent me I sent the picture to, to you. you. I sent yeah, the picture to a Gen you. Gen 1. And you yeah. said Gen 1. So that's <laughs> it. So, yeah, it's definitely a Gen 1.
1: Yeah. Nice bike. Uh, uh, very big. Mm.
0: Yeah, very like wide. big things but that's yeah. the thing so like that that new high booster is massive but actually and there are there are a lot of changes that they made but they didn't like reinvent the wheel they just made everything on that high booster better so yeah. that was a high booster the sv650 didn't change it just became euro 5 compliant same with all the V-Stroms that they've got they lost a couple of models i think as well i don't think i think this is going to look fresher i think it will have a better electronics package because here's something that a lot of bikes get like a or well they get the new bosch imu system and it then gives them a whole like platform of electronics to use and that's just because you buy the bosch imu you now have access to all these cool features because it's part of that bit of electronic software or yeah. hardware or whatever you know the imu is a hardware piece so yes i yeah, think it's going to be electrics funky fresh styling i don't think there's going to be a massive amount of changes with power or anything like that, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong.
1: Yeah, I would say there's nothing really to me as a as a just an average bike guy. There's nothing really that stands out too much from Suzuki that I'm like, oh wow, that's really cool.
0: What from Suzuki's range? Yeah, yeah. Did you forget about the SV six hundred and
1: fifty? I mean, I didn't, and that that is that is basically the sum of of Suzuki, the SV650. Just a boring <laughs>
0: bike. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Such an knobhead.
1: But considering we spoke uh, about, you know, a range of bikes like the... the uh, We always spoke about the range of the Yamahas and things like that. Mm-hmm. In other news, Yamaha have patented R's. R's and numbers. So mm, I think they've I done that. R1 through to 9 and then I think is it... Ah, uh,
0: 20, 25, 25, Yeah. So that that's like we don't really get those models here, but in Asia they're quite popular. Because yeah, in Asia it's like smaller bikes are still really popular, and there's a lot of regulations on bigger bikes. Like a lot of big bikes are taxed quite heavily. Um. Yeah. So they they sort of their market is, you know, like bikes. are still a lot of trans- transport, so they have the smaller bikes. Um. But obviously, like I say, we've got numbers like the R1. Isn't it weird how the R one is like the biggest engine bike out of all of them?
1: Yeah. It, I guess it's it it's like R one K. You know, whereas the others mm. are like R one three hundred.
0: Yeah. What if it's the R twenty-five K? Just doesn't make any so sense. Whatsoever. Liter.
1: However, I will give my thoughts on this. I think that uh, the article said, Oh, Will Yamaha be releasing, you know, a whole range of R bikes that are YZF R bikes to... Yeah, so
0: to to clarify...
1: I don't think that will be the case. I purely think a lot of it will just be, well, let's get these patented so no other people can steal our motorbike names. Mm.
0: Because YZF hyphen R designates a sports bike. Yeah. So yeah i mean it, it makes sense for the models they've got <clears throat> at the minute they they would already want the names, but I think as well, if they wanted to go down the route of of making a sports bike for all of them, I don't see why they couldn't do it i mean because it's not
1: hard like, they, look- they they could but imagine all mm. the money that you have to spend on uh, making all of these bikes and, do and they? are are people gonna be really that picky between oh, I want the five hundred mm, I want the six hundred now I want the seven hundred or the eight hundred. I want the 900 instead of the 1000. Mm. It just doesn't really make too much sense, really, does it? Well, the, one five think think the, the these and are all the... our
0: names, so you can't have them. I think there's a lot of that. These are yeah, our think... names. You can't have them. But take the, there's an R7 has been rumored. Oh. They call it an R7. I mean, there was a Yamaha R7 way back when, which was like a legendary race bike. And there was, a, I think there's a, homologa- a homologation special that was brought out because, of, you know, from that called the r7 legendary name so people are like speculating will they use that name again if they've patented it probably likely they will but that makes sense take an mt07 put a fairing on it give it some slightly jazzy parts there's your r7 competes with the aprilia rs660 and whatever else is around that kind of area because we haven't got any 600 cc sports bikes anymore i oh, see so it's gonna be twins nope can't buy them why They discontinued it. You can buy an R6 Race, which is a track-only model, but in the Uh, UK, you cannot buy an R6, a road-going R6 brand new. Uh Oh. No GSX-R600. No Honda CBR600RR. No Kawasaki ZX-6R. Nout.
1: Well, that is unfortunate. Why is that? Why have they all jumped ship on the 600s?
0: Mm, Dead class Uh but that's the thing like they're really good bikes but the price difference for what you got for your money you might as well have gone for a thousand because you had more torque and people buying them as like they're very good for racing but for people buying them on the road oh well you know i've got the 600 great fun to ride but actually it's you got to rev the nuts off it to get anywhere and for a few grand more or if you buy and used for the same money I can get myself a thousand CC, got shitloads more power, got nicer specs, and actually handles just as good because technology has moved on so much that they handle just as well.
1: Would you get would you get anything over a thousand? Let's say, I don't know, maybe one thousand three hundred and one.
0: Mm, do you know what? Maybe I would. If what it would was it wrapped be? in an orange cocoon of carbon fibre.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I was just reading about, uh, about one of those bikes today. Oh, were you? What's that? The KTM 1290 Super Duke RR.
0: Yeah, the Super Duke RR. So, <clears throat> I've actually, so first up, we can just call out that the 1290 is actually a 1301. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that
1: is correct v-twin is correct
0: okay so what what do we get from yeah, our well for our you money don't for because they oh.
1: are only making 500 and all of them are sold
0: oh okay well i guess 20, that one out.
1: <laughs> i think it was uh 21 and a half thousand pounds
0: yeah for uh for the juiciest 1290 super duke are, are yet so i, See, I was I'm, uh, go on i'm
1: not a ktm fan i don't really know anything about ktms would you um, like to know that I also? When I read, well, what was it? When I read this article, I was looking at it and I was thinking, nearly twenty two thousand pounds and only five hundred made. I was like, will anybody give a toss about this? And then obviously I found out that they were all sold. So obviously, obviously at least five hundred
0: people gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, do you know, I wasn't really a massive KTM fan. Like, I liked them. But I can't say I was really like, oh, yeah, paint me orange. I love it. Mm." Also, everyone I know who has a KTM always seems to wear an item of clothing that's orange when they ride it. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a thing like the bikes don't work unless you wear orange. But every time we'd go out on our bikes, they would always be wearing an orange item of clothing. you've You've got a match, don't you? Yeah. Maybe if you're a KTM person, but everybody else, no, they don't
1: yeah can we tell this this looks like a bit of like a like a horned goat the mm. head the head the mm. head, the head the oh head
0: sorry i tangented there tell, tell you what i had a go on a super duke car a friend of mine project money pits she let me have a go on her super duke car so 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 much fun wickedly talky not scary to jump on either and ride Like I thought, oh my god, this is a big, big old bike. Like I'm used to riding a 650. This is twice the size. Yeah, about twice the size, isn't it? 645 and 645 is 1290. Is that right? That is correct. But then it is a 1301cc technically. So, anyway, the point is, it was much bigger, much more powerful than I was used to, but it was nice and gentle, you know, nice and uh, easy to approach. Um, But, oh my god, when you just twisted it, mate, it was Aggressive and talky, and the front wheel was light, very light. It was nice, but not well, as light as the new wheels on the KTM 1290 Duke Double R Super Duke Double R. Sorry. So the they put wheels on it,
1: a kilo and a half.
0: Kilo and a half, yes, they do. Kilo and a half, some carbon fiber parts which save you know grams here and there here and there you know plastic's quite light anyway but carbon fiber takes a a step further so fairing chain guard mud guard brake ducts under tray seat unit thingy majiggy um you know that that's that all brings that weight down um, and brings it down to a nine kilo loss of weight over the standard super duke car which is a lot that's, a quite, that's quite a bit. That's like you've got, uh, you know, bikes aren't particularly heavy. So you really got to nibble away at lots of bits to get them down. Yeah, um, You've got different um, suspension on this one. So you've got some much, much better suspension from Apex Pro instead of uh, WP, which is like KTM's go-to is WP. So they've gone with another brand called Apex Pro. Personally, I've actually not heard of them, but that's just me. I don't hear about anything, so... And do we know how
1: much the
0: Super <clears throat> R is? The Super okay. R, uh, so fifteen it's grand,
1: fifteen, fifteen, seven, four, nine. Yeah. So, the, uh, for an extra R on the name, is it really worth? I think it's just six
0: grand, seven mm, grand for a R. You don't get an hour. You just get added lightness.
1: Yeah. In the words of
0: was it Colin Chapman? Add lightness.
1: No idea. Colin Chapman is. Oh, I think one analysis. thing I do like about them is their little, um, their little displays. It looks like mm. a little, the little sat nav on the front. That's pretty cool. I'm all about the electronic display. I know that's something you're not too familiar familiar with.
0: Why? But yes, I've got a part digital dash. You knob.
1: Yeah, mine's all digital. It's fine.
0: Oh, mine's all digital.
1: Oh. I've only got like, I don't know, maybe like 60 less horsepower than you, but. You know, and he says, "Digital dash."
0: Uh, you enjoy reading your digital dash. I'll enjoy. I watch, will. I'll enjoy watching my needle spin round the rev range, my friend.
1: Yeah. Well, talk about needles spinning around the rev range. What What happened a lot in the MotoGP? Needles spinning round the rev range.
0: I mean. Do you know, you know what I was looking forward to this week at the doe GP?
1: A Ducati domination?
0: Yeah. And do you know what I was really looking forward to? What? That first, like the launch off the line. And guess you know, who... When they first, you know when they first went, like last weekend, yeah. so at Qatar, they went off the line and all of a sudden there was just like four Ducatis, four red bikes right at the front of the pack. Like where the yeah. bloody hell did they come from? But this time, it didn't flew. quite happen did? and then Miguel Oliveira comes from like the fourth row of the KTM flying, yeah. charging up the inside for, what the hell is going on here
1: yeah so that, that was, was crazy that was crazy I, a I was very, watching very the good launch I was watching the Ducatis and they didn't really do much and this guy the KTM just starts flying he must have gone I don't know maybe like five or six places I don't know what it actually was but he he flew couldn't yeah, quite. That keep your up,
0: boy but... Miguel Oliveira on the KTM did very well. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was a good race. So you had the uh, the rookie Jorge Martin leading for a very very long time. In you know he, he led for a lot of the race. He did indeed. Um, you know, and that was on the fact no the Pramac Ducati. Sorry, this is not the full factory Ducati, the satellite Ducati. Uh, and he was yeah. followed very closely by uh, your boy Johann Zarco, surprising us again for another another week. I didn't move him up though. I should have moved him up on my fantasy league, but oh well. Yeah. Did he, he won, didn't he? No, do you know what? Zarco didn't win. It was a different French man that won. It was Fabio Quattararo. Ah,
1: uh, yeah, he was in my, he was in my team, you know, he cause we're recording this on Sunday mm-hmm. and it was last Sunday that the MotoGP happened. Yeah, so when I've written, when, when I've written down my notes, I haven't <laughs> actually put who won.
0: <laughs> I, did,
1: I, I did watch it. I
0: did watch it. So um, it was uh, it was Aro followed by Zarco and then Jorge Martín, Alex Rins, Maverick Vinales, Peco Bagnaia, Johan Mir, Brad Binder, Jack Miller, and Aleish Espargaro to give you the top 10. Yeah, uh, Rins looks
1: looked crazy. The how, the how he overtakes is actually insane. Um, Do, but obviously, mate, I reckon struggle. the story, I reckon the story of the season will be, no matter how good you are with the corners, you can't keep up with the caddies on the straights, and unless Ducati you. Power was phenomenal unless, once again. Yeah, unless you beat them in the corners, which last week Vignanes did, and this week,
0: uh, Quaterara yeah. did. It was a good. It, it was a race of pacing. I thought it was a very well paced race just to also give you another little fact uh Zarco did post the fastest uh speed alongside jack miller um in fact ducati were posted the top five speeds of the race
1: well speaking of miller here and him and mir oh had a little that a little was a, line bump and
0: a half wasn't it it was indeed so yeah, I've been, There's been a lot of chatter about that on the weekend. Of was it intentional? Was it purposeful? You know, was it malicious? Should they have got you know penalties for it? You know what what happened? It, it end up just coming down to a race incident. A lot of people analyzing it. Um. And it it there's a lot of different conclusions. What did you think about it?
1: Uh, it just looked like it just looked like an accident. To be honest, I didn't think either one of them looked like they were doing anything intentional i think i think it was mir who was on the outside and he it looked like he he'd taken uh the corner a bit wrong but then miller on the inside i could be getting this the other way around but he seemed to fly out quite a bit and i was thinking maybe he took the corner a bit wrong
0: but mm-hmm. i don't
1: really know it was a weird angle that i saw it from because i saw it from like straight on when they did the replay.
0: Yeah, the camera angle was different and you could watch other replays, but obviously mere spectacular overtake on on Jack in, you know, a couple of corners previous. Yeah, it was a bit close, you know, I think he made Jack sort of stand up a little bit, but, you know, fair play, like, he got round him, it was all fine, he didn't lose much time. And then coming out of that corner, on the last corner onto the straightaway, like, Jack seems to just kind of absolutely, like, barge him yeah. Like it's just like belts into me i think when i watched it, i thought oh my god oh, he's got him back for that for that move like it looked a bit brutal but you know he got him back and then the more i sort of watching it you know and i saw people saying oh it was purposeful personal don't know it just seemed like i think he might have just hit him a bit harder than he was get- i think he was sort of going to give him a little rub back like hey mate you know calm your tits and then i think it um, he might have just been a miscalculation bang and it was a hit harder than it was supposed to Mm.
1: Well, those two looked like they were they were battling for for a top position, at least a top three. Mm. And it, 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 if that hadn't have happened, then I, I think there was a big possibility of of them two coming in the top three. They looked yeah. they looked pretty sensational. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I know it, it was a good race. I think uh, Martin did very well throughout the race. He paced himself really well, and I think ultimately, um, obviously, <laughs> you could tell Zarko the entire race. He was keeping a comfortable gap. And then when he started just you know, reeling him in towards the end and then just got him and then went, you know, see you later, bye. You know, like Zarko knew what he was doing. He had to go. And it was really when Quattuaro came past and Quattuaro knew, I've got to put distance in the corners yeah. because I will lose that on the straight. So he needed to put enough ahead of himself before the Ducatis could claw him back over on that, that you know, start-finish straight. And that was a real class bit of riding. Those last few laps were edge of your seat stuff. I think that it was exciting.
1: Yeah, it was. It was really exciting. I'm I'm, I'm excited for a new track.
0: Um, mm, them out uh next weekend. Yeah, that one looks. That one
1: looks like it's got it's got some more bits of straight on there. To be honest, mm. I've I've well, looked at the next few, and a lot of them look more straighter than this one.
0: I don't, I think it might be the length of the straight. I don't know how long the straight yeah. is on this one. But the thing is, the Portimao is kind of, I think they call it like a roller coaster because there's so many undulations and it, it's got cambers and all sorts of stuff. Like that f- straight that you see, it, it comes off the last corner, it goes up, you're on the straight and then when you come into the first corner, it's downhill. So you're almost coming uh... into the, that first corner sort of blind. You have to be on the power and, and on the brakes as you're coming downhill into that first corner and then tipping it. So it's pretty, um, it, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's the straights, but I think it's a much different challenge to, to Qatar.
1: Well, if you want to join in on some MotoGP fun, go over to our Instagram account at wheelie good times pod cast. Is it really good times podcast? Wheelie good times podcast. Yeah, yeah, And you can see our code to join our MotoGP fantasy team tom is currently 10 points above me but not for longer i have a trick up my sleeve i'm not going to tell him what it is because i was
0: going to say what's your trick
1: yeah where does a keep where 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 does a general keep his armies
0: you know up his oh (laughs) you did me there (laughs) i didn't eat so I'm going to just let's just wrap up our MotoGP chat there for a second because I want to talk to you. I want to ask you something. you know this is the reason we set the podcast up was so that you the noob could ask me the less noob or the experienced uh, 01 questions about motorcycling and, and all that stuff and you said to me this week you were going to ask me a question. So what have you got for me?
1: Two stroke versus four stroke. We speculate about two strokes before on the last episode and i think a little bit before that as well we spoke yeah, about we two strokes it, yeah. as a whole but i don't actually know the difference between a two stroke and a four stroke engine what is the difference why do some people favor them uh two strokes over four strokes and stuff like that twice as much we
0: well, yeah, got two twice strokes th- and four strokes tw- tw- greedy people what, want four what strokes.
1: is what is a stroke what came first
0: what came first? Okay, right. So <clears throat> two stroke versus four stroke. I'm gonna do you a a little impression of them actually, because I think it's important that you understand the difference. So your bike is a four stroke, yeah? Correct. So it goes like bum, 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 bum", kind of, yeah, makes sense?
1: Correct. Broom, broom.
0: That is yep, your four stroke. That is,
1: that is my four stroke.
0: Yeah, you know, if you're an S V, it's probably like bum, 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 <of ease> <derrière> it's you know it's melodic exciting but your two-stroke it works differently and you'll hear the difference a two-stroke is more like most people would have heard them uh mopeds chainsaws but actually an older motorcycle like a good older motorcycle not a moped but a proper two-stroke will have like a vim ding 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 vim ding 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 vim ding ding like that or I crazy froggish. Hey, right.
1: I haven't... I, 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 I can't think of a time where I would have heard a two-stroke engine, to be completely honest.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully my impression is is good, but they can sound like... I think they sometimes sound a bit rough, a little bit rough-edged, and I really like it. We'll have to go out... Now that we're, we'll be free, when this podcast goes out, we'll be free to go out and actually meet up in places. So we'll go down to um, a local cafe and we will uh, find some two-strokes and we'll go and have a listen. But they they do sound... Massively different, and you know, there, there is reasons for that. Mainly, two stroke and four stroke the number of strokes that they have to do a power cycle. So, I'll talk to you about what a stroke is. Um, so when it's a two stroke or a four stroke, the strokes just refer to how many times the piston moves up and down in the cylinder for a power cycle. Okay,
1: so and in a power, a a power cycle. Four.
0: A uh, four stroke is four, yep.
1: And a two stroke is two.
0: It's two, so two strokes. So two strokes is um so let's just say a power cycle. So one power cycle gives you I don't know, that that's your power, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um I'll <clears throat> I'll explain it in a second, but a two stroke will do that in um
1: half the amount of strokes is the 4 stroke.
0: Yeah, so I say what? So they a power cycle is made up of four different phases okay so a two stroke and a four stroke have these four phases they both have their same four phases okay um and i'll do a four stroke first i'll explain how four stroke works because each stroke of a four stroke lines up with each phase of a power cycle okay yep so you've probably you've probably heard the phrase uh suck squeeze bang blow is that right
1: well, not in this context.
0: <laughs> not in mo- context of motorcycling. Okay, so suck, squeeze, bang, blow is sort of a fun slash slightly rude way of saying um, of describing the the strokes. Those four phases. So you've got yep. intake, compression, combustion, and exhaust. Okay, so okay. intake, sucking stuff in. Squeeze, you're compressing it. Bang, combustion, you're setting fire to it, making the power, and exhaust. So you getting rid of it, blowing it away. Cool? Cool. So I'll simplify this explanation of it, but hopefully it makes sense for you. So take the piston in the engine, just imagine it, and it can be kind of like a rough imagination what you think it looks like. Maybe I'll put a little drawing on our Instagram page so that people can kind of see what I'm getting at. So if you imagine the piston, it's at the top of the cylinder, okay? Yep. It's then going to come down, and as that piston goes down the cylinder, a valve opens. At the top of the cylinder, there's an air and fuel mixture that comes down into the cylinder as it's going down. Now, once that piston is at the bottom of the cylinder, that's the first phase or the first, you know, the first stroke that's complete. That's your intake. You suck. All right. Sounds good. From the top to the bottom. That top to bottom is a stroke. And we're going to move on to our next phase, which is the compression or squeeze. So once that um, once that piston comes back up the cylinder, we're going to be pressurizing that air fuel mixture. We're, we're making it smaller and we're you know we're pressurizing it. So with pressure, in when you pressurize something in an engine, you're making it more efficient. So the higher amount of compression you have, the more power you can make. Um, as compression relates to the power, it gets a bit complicated when you look at the maths behind it. But I found a really I was doing a bit of research. Um, on, on this a while ago, and there's an interesting uh, an engine designed way back in the 1800s um, by a Belgian chap called Etienne Lenoir. Now he designed an engine. it didn't have a compression stroke, so it, it was only a three-stroke engine. It got rid of the compression stroke you know altogether, um, which just seems really bizarre. But it, for his engine to make two horsepower, that's all the engine made. but yeah. because he wasn't compressing that air and fuel mixture, he needed. Um, well, guess how many liters he needed to make two horsepower.
1: Uh, let's go with one liter.
0: One liter. So your bike is zero point one two five liters, isn't it? And it makes how many horsepowers?
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah nine. So he, so you probably need about zero point five.
0: Okay, so your bike, I don't 0. know 0. the 0. compression 0. ratio of your of your bike, but your your 0. bike's compression right. 5. Yeah, and with yes. it in a grom. That little Honda engine is compressing, is it compressing the, um, it's compressing that fuel air mixture and it, it's getting nine horsepower out of it. Now, because cool. this dude wasn't making any compression at all, it took him 18 litres of Lord. capacity to make two horsepower. Now, obviously, we've had loads of advancements in technology that's. Could he just move? Just compared to compression. <laughs> uh, no, so it was like a static engine. So it was more of a, a pump to remove, I think it was to remove water from mines. From like flooded flooded down um, oh, mind it was it was for that sort of thing but i mean like there's loads of other technologies that helped but the lack of compression was was massively you know, it's massively important having compression and you'll find like the racier or sportier an engine is it will have a higher compression ratio
1: okay i see
0: anyway i've gone a bit off tangent but i just thought that was a really interesting thing about compression if you don't have it you're probably going to make shit all power
1: so the two stroke and the four stroke Let's mm-hmm. explain the two-stroke now. Well,
0: <clears throat> so hang on—that—that that, I've only got to to stroke uh, two oh, in, the, uh, in the in the four-stroke in cycle. So, right now that the piston's at the top, we've squished our air-fuel mixture. Bang! The spark plug at the top has ignited that mixture, and we got some sweet power, baby. Great so stuff. that freshly compressed mixture is now exploded. All that gas is now, um, you know, it's expanding. It's forcing the piston back down the barrel of the engine, you know, the cylinder, um, and it's that force, that combustion of that that mixture, that's going to turn the crankshaft and give us power. That's our combustion stroke or power stroke, as some people will call it. Gotcha. So that's that's the one where we're that's you know we've felt two steps, getting up to this step where the the key bit where we're making our power. That's what we want. Now we've got all this gas in here that we've just burnt, and it's it's now useless to us. So what do we got to do? We've got to get rid of it. So we want to take that out and this is where the exhaust stroke comes in. So now the cylinder, which is at the bottom, the piston is at the bottom of the cylinder. It's going to then go back up to the top and on its way out, on its way up, an exhaust valve opens, which goes to the exhaust system and, you know, out that way. And uh, that's going to push all of those spent gases out of that exhaust valve. Okay. Yep. That's it. So now that's pushed all the way out pistons at the top of the, of the cylinder again. And that is our four strokes complete. And then we just start again. We come back down, we suck, we squeeze back up. We, um, bang, we combust piston goes down, exhaust get it out, goes back up again. That's your four strokes. Yeah?
1: I'm with you so far.
0: Cool. Now, one cycle of these four phases, the crankshaft is going to turn twice. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Are you with me? I'm with you. Now, the crankshaft is the thing that all the pistons connect to, and at the end of it, connects to a gearbox, and that's then connects to our wheels, and that's how we get that power to the road, to put it simply. Now, two-stroke. That takes those four phases that we just spoke about, does them in half the amount of strokes, and only one rotation of the crankshaft. Oh, I see. So that's where we're getting our two strokes from. We're basically we're going to have those same four phases, but we're doing them in half the time. Um, so two strokes don't—they don't have valves in the same sense as a four-stroke. They've got uh, little holes which actually sit in the side of the cylinder. Um, and instead of having like a valve that opens and shuts, the piston actually covers and uncovers them as it moves up and down. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. So, um, the intake will sit lower than the exhaust, uh, and both of those ports can be open at the same time. <clears throat> now I'm going to describe how it works. There's there's like a bit of, mm, hang on. I need, like, one of those mute buttons so I can burp without having to... um, Yeah, it's annoying
1: me not having one. I'm trying to vape and stuff.
0: So, um, once that... um, So, all right, let's let's take the two-strap piston. We're going to start at the bottom this time, okay? And because we're at the bottom, we've got that intake hole open. So, fresh air and fuel mixture is going to come into the engine, okay? Now, as the piston moves up, we're going to compress that mixture. And as it comes up past the intake hole, it's going to cover it up. So, we're not going to let any more fuel and air in. Then we're going to compress it and then once the piston's at the top, bang, once again from the spark plug, ignites it, piston goes down. Now as it's coming down, it's going to uncover that exhaust hole and it's going to let those combusted gases out of the engine and into the exhaust as it's coming down. Okay? I
1: see. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's still coming down and then as it comes down a bit more, we're once again going to unveil that intake hole. So more fuel and air is going to come into the cylinder and we're going to start the process all over again. Okay. Okay? So it's coming down, then it's going to go. So more fuel and air is going in, it's going up, compressing, exploding, exhaust comes out, and we're back to the intake stroke again. All right? Yep. So it happens really quickly. But again, I might see if I can put a little gif in our uh, Instagram post so people can get like a better visual representation of it. So Basically, we're doing it in half the time.
1: So why would people prefer a two-stroke over a four-stroke?
0: Um I mean way back when like you know early early there so I'm really sorry you know like <clears throat> engines have been around since like the early 1600s um you know internal combustion engines were created about the you know so early 1600s engines were steam then in the late 1800s or early 1800s, sorry, you had um, internal combustion engines being sort of worked on, made, and all that sort of stuff. And it was actually pretty close between two and four strokes. They were kind of created, like, within a few years of each other. Yeah. So people were, like, inventors would see, like, a two-stroke engine, which came first. And then they would, like, modify it to try and make it better and came up with a four-stroke engine. Okay. Uh, a chap called a Scottish inventor called Sir Dougald Clark. He's uh, actually attributed with creating the first, like, successful two-stroke engine. Um, that was way back in like eighteen seventy-eight, I think.
1: So why, so, so it's why, like, uh, in MotoGP, for example, they've had like four strokes, and then they had like a wave of two strokes, mm-hmm. and now they're four strokes again. Well, why, why? Why is that?
0: Uh, yeah, sorry. I kind of like skipped your question because I got excited about how it started. So they started at about the same time, but a two stroke generally we've got uh, fewer parts, so it's going to be cheaper to produce and it's going to be, you know, it has, um, it's going to be lighter because we've got less components and it's less complex to work on. So you can work on it much easier. That that's generally why a two stroke would have taken off over a four stroke um we also you tend to get more power out of a two-stroke for the same capacity um and you also would get you know more power for a lower weight
1: i see and people so talk it has its about, advantages
0: like, in being better for you know power per weight and power for cost and people talk about
1: these uh two-stroke power bands are those a myth what is that
0: uh yeah so like the Two strokes are, can be, especially modern two strokes, can be really complicated um, to try and smoothen out a power band and and make it um, have more torque across the rev range. But when you've got a two stroke and you're chasing high horsepower, you generally tend to have like a two stroke that, say, let's say it revs to like 10,000 or whatever. Uh, you'll have make fuck all power anywhere else. But in that tiny little power band between like nine and 10,000 RPM, you get a bang, a big whack of power. Oh, and pff, you're away and you've got loads and loads of power, whatever. So power bands can be wide, narrow, um, you know, aggressive, you know, gentle, all that sort of stuff. You do tend to get the same thing with sort of four strokes, but just with the way the engines are made and designed, they tend to have a broader power band. It tends to not be mm-hmm. so narrow and, um, uh, restrictive to a certain rev range. Yeah. But in a two stroke, especially really highly strong ones, like for <laughs> racing, Um, you know, they could be really, really narrow. So you had to really work the engine to to keep it in that power band, usually at very high revs. I gotcha. Mm. Um, There are, there are some trade-offs though, which is why sort of four strokes took over. Uh, Reliability is one uh, and emissions is another. So in a four stroke, you've got uh, engine oil and that that's kept, you know, in the sun, but it's kept in the engine separate from everything else. So, or from the fuel and the air and what's going on in the cylinder. What it does is it makes sure everything is, is being lubricated moving as it should. And it's pumped around the engine and keeps everything nice and lubricated. Yeah. Yeah. So like on your bike, you, you'd fill it up with oil, right? You top it up with oil, you check the oil it's all level. And if you do an oil change, you dump all that oil and you put new oil in. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Keeps everything nice and moving in a two stroke. It, it doesn't have that. So, uh, The oil is actually mixed in with the fuel in the engine and that lubricates it when it goes around. So, uh, you can either pre-mix it in the fuel tank and that was called pre-mix. So your fuel and oil were mixed together in the fuel tank. So when you fill your bike up, you'd also have to put oil in it as well. Um, or some other bikes did have like a separate tank. So you'd have your two stroke oil in one tank. You fill up your petrol normally. And then as you're riding along, it would automatically feed oil into the engine. Usually with like usually not like, the same way your throttle position was so if you're giving it the beans you know you get more oil whereas if you're rolling off a bit and you're using less power you wouldn't over oil it makes sense yeah um now because of this that oil is burned along with the fuel and air mixture and that's so bad for the that, emissions. yeah bad for the emissions they tend to be quite smoky uh two strokes not not yeah. all the time i mean you can get like low smoke oils and stuff like that and um, but they generally tend to be like quite smoky things, especially if something's not quite right. They'll dump a you know, whole load of oil in and it just smokes everywhere. It looks really cool, Is that really why cool, they I
1: think. say, see the smoke?
0: See the smoke, hear the hear ping. The... Hear the ping, see the smoke. You've just been passed by a two-stroke.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: nice. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, two-stroke, you know, rapidly quick because they could be built really lightweight as well. That was like the beauty of it they're fantastic machines and actually you know they became more favored because of because of that <clears throat> um because they were a four-stroke was more reliable you know as production advanced costs to produce four strokes came down people favored them more because they were cleaner they required less maintenance like a two-stroke it could seize up on you as you're out and about if you didn't put an oil in it it would seize up and they you go you. you have to rebuild your engine some engines had like a, a certain number of miles you could do before you would have to rebuild the engine. Oh,
1: it's well, not hard because they're official. really,
0: really simple to work on. But the, the thing is, you know, it's, you know, imagine if you are commuting, you wouldn't More want hassle. to be doing that all the time, would you? Especially if you've no, got a big commute. Not. So yeah. Um, there's also like an interesting thing, which um, kind of, I suppose, puts people off as well. I don't know, I don't I'd need to look more into it, but if you're if you close a throttle on a two stroke, th- you know, that oil is no longer being fed into the engine. Yeah. Because it's not being lubricated because that oil gets fed in with the fuel and the the air. So if you close the throttle, you're not lubricating as much and then you have the risk of, oh god, it can seize.
1: And that would not be good, would it?
0: No, I could throw it up throw you off the bike yeah well so, yeah
1: if you were ever thrown off a bike there's probably one thing that you would like to do and that's go for a tea and a coffee
0: it is yeah um, um i would just like to say it just before we do get on to that and that was a nice little segue that was that good was but i just want to finish off a couple of little things so um two strokes kind of disappearing but they are still used in some sort of off-road applications and i think also um outboard motors like for boats yeah um things like direct injection are making them cleaner and more efficient um and also different technologies in the way that they work the way that you know like there are now two-stroke engines which have the oil separate so you have a sump like you're doing a four-stroke which keeps everything lubricated and working nicely so two-stroke i would like to see it make a comeback if i'm honest with you i think it'd be really really cool um Obviously with every government in the world seeming to be clamping down on not selling internal combustion engines after a certain year, it makes it difficult, but um, it'll be
1: on electric.
0: Yeah, I know. Good. But at the same time, I think it's a bit short sighted. I think that's a story for another episode.
1: It is probably. Oh, I'll tell you what, great.
0: this is an exciting little fact I found out about two strokes as well. So there was a Yorkshire engineer called Alfred Angus Scott, now he had a company called the Scotts Motorcycle Company, okay? Yep. And he produced the first practical application of a two-stroke engine in a motorcycle back in 1908, so over 100 years ago. Many. many now many. there's a lot of a lot of stuff that he patented are still used in like modern two-stroke engines. Um, things like even like kickstarts, uh, mono shock suspension, um, and even like center stands like, really weird stuff. Not weird, stuff that's normal now, but back then, you know, someone had to invent yeah. it. That was this dude. Um, He was really big into something called potholing. Do you know what that is? What,
1: the holes in the ground?
0: As in, like, down the road? Yeah. No, it was like caving. Spelunking to our American listeners. What did you call so it? So he liked to do caving. So going into caves and exploring. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think it was... And then... One, <laughs> One day he went potholing, he got wet because it's, you know, in a cave underground, there's water, got wet, drove home in a car that he made himself, like his car company, Uh, it was like an open top thing, so it didn't have a roof, Um, and because he was wearing his wet clothes, he got pneumonia and died. Oh, that's unfortunate. Tragic, I know. And he would never...
1: If only he could have invented a car with a roof.
0: Yeah, if only he could have stopped at a nice little cafe for a cup of tea and a cake. Yeah, to help him warm up. Yeah yeah well, well if, if he wasn't in yorkshire and he was down in hampshire he could have gone to Lumi's moto cafe so they will be a reopening back up again on the 12th as most of our favorite motorcycling haunts will some are obviously might already be if they're doing takeaway only um, but these guys will be open to go in they have a bloody brilliant cafe um so it's the only motorbike
1: them. cafe that i've been to actually is it hey yeah we we, yeah we took you there a couple of times yeah
0: it's a nice place there's loads of bikes there wednesday night is their typical bike night they're open later on a wednesday so if you're thinking of going down wednesday night is the is the in week night to go um they're also open on weekends as well um usually to like five six o'clock on the weekends but bike night is 10 o'clock on a wednesday definitely worth going down like in the summertime it's just lovely just out here bikes all around uh just getting to look at bikes talk Decent to fellow bikers yeah the food is very tasty as well they um they got taken over a couple of years ago because the old owners had to sell it so yeah some guys bought it out and it's a really really nice place to be actually it's a lovely little cafe so if you're ever in the area or just need a good place to ride out i'd recommend it Lumis Lumis.
1: Yeah and that and it's is
0: not, uh, it's not around anywhere there's a petrol station next to it but it's in a crossroad in the countryside
1: it's it's very nice it is very nice and that was um, cafe corner where cafe, we give cafe you, um,
0: corner we i will just you let you know if you cafe want to get 40. there and you know the roads head down the A272 or i can't remember the other i think the A32 and you'll eventually get there eventually eventually unless you go in the opposite way then turn around and go back
1: yeah, well, that was that was very lovely. Thank you for that. And um, here's one section that people have been screaming at me. I walk down the street and they go, "Are you Kong from WDT Really Good Times?" I say, "Yeah, I am." They say, "Do you know what I can't wait for every episode?" Even though you've only done four, this is your fifth. <laughs> what I can't wait for is Kong's bike shout out of the week.
0: Bike shout out of the week thank you for
1: that intro okay so stop, stop right now
0: why do you always interrupt my bike I, I forgot, all of the week I, all right i forgot to mention something i'm going to cut it out put it in the right place and then we'll recontinue from this point okay okay oh and for any of you budding bikers out there that fancy a burger challenge uh if you head over to Lumis, they have something called the burger challenge now it's a monster but let me read through what it is so it's eight burger patties 14 slices of cheese, eight rashers of bacon, topped with ketchup and mustard. You've got um, cheesy chips on the side, hash browns and onion rings. And you also get two cans of fizzy pop to wash it down. So how do you fancy that, Do You reckon you could do
1: that? I mean, it sounds like breakfast, really. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic. Well, you've got 45 minutes to complete it. And if you complete it, you get it for free and you get yourself on the Hall of Fame and a Burger Challenge t-shirt. Oh, wow. Um, and if you fail, if you can't complete it, you become a laughing stock and you get yourself on the Hall of Shame. Oh. So there's an upside to both, I think. Definitely worth a go.
1: Sounds amazing.
0: Sounds amazing.
1: Okay, so what you probably haven't realized is that Tom interrupted me there for the fifth time that I've been doing Bike Shout Out of the Week. Got to keep it consistent. And he's just edited that bit out and put it somewhere else because he forgot to say something. So thanks a lot for that, Tom. But I will get into Kong's Bike out Shout Out of the Week right now.
0: Bike Out Shout Out of the Week.
1: (laughs) So we've had motorbikes that climb mountains, motorbikes that dominate the road, and motorbikes that dominate the track. What we now have are motorbikes that dominate the skies. The flying fleas, specifically the Royal Enfield WD slash RE, boasting 3.5 brake horsepower and top speeds of forty five miles per hour. These one two five CC two strokes weighed in at around seventy kgs wet. Wet Amazing.
0: seventy kilos wet. Wet. That's I don't even weigh seventy kilos wet.
1: No. Well, it's because you're a fat bastard. Uh, These these motorcycles were specifically designed to be lightweight for the purpose of aircraft deployment. They are parachuted down to the ground during World War II to help aid communications in spots where radio wasn't available. They were dropped from the skies in crates and could travel through thick and boggy terrain unlike the other heavy modes of transport used during the war. To pay homage to the flying fleet, Well, that's hard to say. The Flying Flea, Royal Enfield produced the Classic 500 Pegasus back in 2018, 250 of which were sold in India in less than three minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible, really. It is incredible. They they, they tried out uh, push bikes at first and they just kept getting bogged down and weighed down and they'd get parachuted down with them. They'd unfold these bikes and that'd be rubbish. I'm
0: so just said, imagining. I'm just
1: imagining a scene. Go on. Sorry. Well, they just said script. We use motorbikes. They're using D-Day and everything.
0: Do you, know was, do you know what I'm picturing right now? You ever seen the film Furious Seven from the Fast and Furious franchise?
1: Exactly like that. They have a
0: plan, and they were sat in the car, and they burn, stick it in reverse, shoot out the back of a plane, and they mm-hmm. through the air, then bang, pull a parachute, land. Mission starts. You know, and they drive away. I'm just picturing some dudes on these bikes, just pulling a sweet wheelie off the end of a as to say Lancaster, maybe I don't know what they, they wouldn't have had a
1: no they C-130. would have had
0: big, what they've had
1: big big planes,
0: some big old plane, and there's just some dude ripping a wheelie out the side yeah, unfortunately,
1: that is not what happened. They used to drop them down in crates with the paratroopers following oh, okay. By parachute, uh, however, that was Kong's bike shout out of the week.
0: Bike shout out of the week. Thank you for that.
1: Where I give you a little bit of information about a cool bike, and if you like the sound of it, you can go and do your own research because I'm not here to do it all for you.
0: Cool. Would you like to know an interesting bit of info about that? Yeah, go for it. So that was a two-stroke motorcycle. It was indeed. And that's um, I think it's actually your third two-stroke in bike shout out of the week, isn't it? Um, your last potentially, two? Potentially. Yeah. Well, what the last two? The Britain and. Was the Britain really that? Okay, then maybe it was only the last one was a two stroke. Uh, yeah, even though it was, even though it was a hundred, Even though it's a 126cc, it made less horsepower than your bike at three and a half HPs.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it 60 kgs wet. Mine's 101 kgs. I'm not sure if that's wet or dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, good thing I put it in the garage today. Otherwise, it would be wet with all this rain going on.
0: Oh, dirty in it!
1: It is disgusting. Have you been anyway, this
0: week or not?
1: Have I been riding? Yeah. Yes, I've been riding to the capital, London. Oh, nice. Yeah, have you, so I've been doing. You loved it. Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. Um, mainly uh, A thirty. Uh, I go through uh, some roads, through some towns, get onto the A thirty. Bomb all the way down there, get to London, come off the A30, and I'm at, I'm at work. So, mm. yeah, it's been pretty enjoyable. Um, I've been I've been leaving at about minus one some days, so I've been cold. I've been freezing.
0: You had a few uh, days.
1: It's it's not been so enjoyable. However, the days that were nice,
0: yeah, it's been great. Sometimes though, I think when you when you ride all the time the days when it's not nice, you just tolerate and then you kind of get used to it. Cause that's how you travel around. And yeah. then once the sun's out, you, it then just clicks just like, yeah, this is why I do this. Yeah. This is 100%. why it's worth it. Um, yeah. And I've, I've seen an uptick in motorcycles on the road, which is always nice. uh and a severe increase in absolute knobheads in cars, which is just, great. Uh, it's don't just, know how to drive, it's... drive like an idiot. It's just, what's the point? I just think, oh, it's probably yeah. because most people haven't driven for a year or driven very often, and they've just forgotten how to do it.
1: Yeah, see, I get, I get a lot of, um, a lot of arseholes because they think that I'm on a small bike, that it's okay to just cut me off whenever they feel like it. So, mm. I give many people a, a, a rude gesture with my fist. Um, I, I shout a lot of people. Um I can't exactly rev my engine in, in anger because it <laughs> they wouldn't be able to hear it over their radio. Um, hey. hang on, but, they wouldn't be
0: able to hear it if they had their windows shut.
1: <laughs> yeah, good point to be honest. Um <sighs> But yeah, also the, the roads unfortunately are a bit they're not that great on my route to work. They're they're a bit potholey. Mm. So hey. that's unfortunate. So, anyway,
0: that's the state of about roads. Shall we, yeah, um, I think we should wrap one that, one of that up finales. there. Yeah, um, cryptic. I'll just go over the cryptic again because we'll do it for... T- I think we do two weeks, same okay. cryptic, and then we'll refresh it. So, this week's cryptic is, I bought a sweet potato from America. It just keeps telling me jokes. I bought a sweet potato from America. It just keeps telling me jokes. So, answers mm-hmm. on a postcard. Um... Send us a message on Instagram of what you think it is or leave a comment on Instagram or you could go and check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review there with the answer to the cryptic. Like I say, we will try and figure out a prize for someone at some point, but you have to guess and you have to get it right for us to give you a prize.
1: Yeah. And do the
0: outro.
1: That is basically my outro. No, you just do
0: it, but you cut out the bit about leave us a review on iTunes.
1: Okay. Thank you for listening. Tell us what you think over on our Instagram, Wheelie Good Times Podcast. I'm Kong. And I'm Tom. Ride safe and have a Wheelie Good, wheelie
0: time. good
1: time. Bye. Bye. That was a good one.